Podcast ain't played nobody. Bill and Godfrey here. Godfrey, I'm feeling insecure. Why? I, I, I feel like, you know, I do not have the read on the football universe that I'm supposed to have at this point in the year. Uh, at least judging by my uh, record in the confidence picks, um, that, that, that's what I think that is telling me. Every single, I, I, I'm pretty sure when, when we put out these, you know, confidence pick standings on uh, whenever Bud actually puts them out, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in last place because every single game where I thought, man, this is a toss-up, I'm not sure, I've gotten wrong. Um, I might tossed. actually be in the negative points right now because I decided to say screw it and went like all 10s last week, and I'm pretty sure I missed three of four. So, yeah, I'm feeling between, good. Yeah, the difference between us and what makes this show wonderful is that I do, I'm in the exact same confidence pool. I fill out that ballot in usually under 20 seconds, and then I forget about it until the following week. So Yeah, I, I have been. Uh, that's, what, that's my normal process, only I had to start noticing, wait, I'm in last place right now, or I'm really close to last place right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And then, and so you add to that the fact that uh, you know, S&P rankings go up. And here's a, here's a little quick, a little math thing. So there are two ways to kind of judge your computer ratings. There are how you do against the spread, and then there's the absolute error. And you talk to other, you know, computer people, the, the error is the one that's important because that's kind of, the spread is random and, and, you know, luck or not luck, but you get that, that absolute error, which basically means how, when you, like how, on average, how much are you missing a given game by X number of points. The really, really good ratings are in the 12s. I'm typically in the high 12s, low 13s. I've got a little volatility issue with the ratings that I've been working on. But regardless, um, by this point in the season, early in the season, you know, preseason projections are, are you know, either good or bad. And, and the air bar is going to be anywhere between about 13 and 15 for me um, early on. It was closer to 15 in week one because you think about Houston, you think about like uh, Clemson, LSU, some of the really highly projected teams not doing very well at the start. Um so it's it's not very – I was kind of expecting it to be poor. It was in the four, low 14s each of the last two weeks, which was better. This week, I, the first thing I look at, like I run the numbers, first thing I see is error of 13.0. I thought, okay, cool, we're on the right track. This is you know starting to, starting to get honed in here. should be in the 12 soon. Then I run the against the spread numbers, and it was like 36% against the spread. Uh, so, so to summarize, my numbers did crappy against Vegas last week and I'm in last place of our confidence pool and I'm supposed to be the person who's like, you know, confident in knowledge and stuff. Hey dude, I've been faking being a journalist for 15 years. You ready to do this S and P plus? <laughs> well, no, cause S and P plus is apparently terrible, but anyway, all right. So it's we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. I'm setting the all timer. Right. I'm setting, setting the timer, the timer here. Works. Because of, um, because of a popular amount of feedback popular amount a uh, large amount of popular feedback we uh are going to do 25 the top 25 s&p we're going to do it blitz style just like we did last week um for the full the full uh show the the full entree you're still going to check us out on wednesday by the way this is podcast ain't played nobody a college football <laughs> marriage of number and w- numbers and words crappy numbers. sunday edition i got to get on a plane bill's got to come to grips with the fact that the numbers have just have basically destroyed his robot life are you ready, sir, to set that timer? I'm setting the timer. For, and how long am I setting it? 25 We're, teams. Let's see if we can do 27 minutes. Okay. And start. All right. So, number 25. Number 25. Memphis. Memphis. <laughs> I actually, I will say this. I'm whining about the numbers, and it, but they, they did do pretty, pretty decent from an error standpoint. And I really like this top 25. I'll say that right out front. Memphis. 77 points. Yeah, well, two weeks they've outscored Kansas and Bowling Green 120 to 10. Now it's Kansas and Bowling Green. Bowling Green really might be pretty terrible this year um, after losing all they lost in the offseason. 
but I, I get this rating because you you can't do any more against Bowling Green and Kansas than than they did. So I'm I'm totally cool with Memphis being three and zero and twenty fifth right now. Might get blown out by Ole Miss and fall. I don't know, but they've got the best special teams in the country. Their defense has just kind of shut everybody down. I really like this team. Riley Ferguson six touchdowns. That's um, Lamarish numbers. Number twenty four, Toledo. Toledo. You know, there are a lot. I, I almost feel bad because Houston's stealing all the thunder here. There are a lot of really good mid-majors right now. Teams that, have, well, again, teams that have done everything that they can do with whoever they've played. Toledo's another one of those. They, um, they've looked really, really good so far. And, uh, you know, apparently the bye week treated them well as they moved up 22 spots during a bye. By the way, that's because the preseason projections have been further phased out by quite a bit. So you see a lot more movement at this time of the year. Number 23. Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, eh, ugly. Whatever. It's a win. Doesn't matter. You didn't embarrass yourself at Northwestern. You still have some confidence intact, by the way, real fast. The Big Ten West is going to have a good Nebraska-Wisconsin showdown, and that's yep. okay. Yep. That means that there, there's some confidence there, and it doesn't involve Iowa, so maybe we stop making fun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... I understand how bad Northwestern has has done this year, but uh, they still have a pretty good defense, and and Nebraska was able to score twenty four. Um, they just, I mean, they. I, I think Wisconsin and Nebraska now have, have pretty clearly, with eyeballs or stats, kind of separated themselves from everybody else in the uh, in the Big Ten West. I realize that Minnesota is not that far behind. They're thirty fifth in S and P. They're three and zero. They haven't lost yet. Um, defense is actually the one thing slowing them down. Uh, their offense is maybe a little bit ahead of where I thought, but um, right now I'd say, yeah, Wisconsin and Nebraska have to be considered the, the best teams. That probably gives Nebraska the, the best odds in the West, by the way, because Wisconsin plays Ohio State and Michigan. Number 22. TCU. Texas Christian University. Bill, I caught about three drives worth, is, worth of this game, which I feel like is an accurate amount of, of information to absorb. <laughs> Uh, they drubbed SMU. They did it in Dallas. Nobody cared. Uh, first half I, I was I really gross. take anything from this game. Yeah, first half was gross. Um, the defense kind of bailed TCU's offense out, which was the exact opposite of the way it's been for most of the year so far. Um, but, the, I mean, yeah, 27 nothing in the second half. They handled their business. Sometimes you start slowly, but they were fine. Not much else to say. Uh, not a great TCU year. Uh, I, I do feel confident in saying now that this isn't the TCU team that we all thought could be the playoff dark horse. Speaking, I of, still give it a chance to get there because, well, yeah, playoff dark horse, no, but um, in terms of playing at, at a really high level, I think they can still get there because uh, you know their defense could still come around. But yeah, I mean, with the early loss and and now they're probably not they're probably not so good that they can go undefeated in the Big Twelve. So yeah, hey, they're, they're hey, probably speaking not. Speaking of uh, speaking of transitions, <laughs> speaking speaking of Big Twelve teams that aren't that uh, aren't nearly as good as we thought. Hey, there's one and two Oklahoma at number twenty one. Yeah, I still think they're going to play a pretty big role in the in the Big Twelve race, but uh, you well, know, yeah, someone has to. Team. I mean, you have right. to field a, you have to field a team across other teams. So yeah, <laughs> but right now um, they are eighth in offense and fifty eighth in defense. That sounds probably that's a little much on the offensive side, I think. But um, yeah, their defense has been a bigger issue for me so far. The uh, the the interesting talk is that we we praise uh, Bob Stoops a whole lot for being able to reinvent himself through dynamic changes usually on offense with new coordinators it's pretty obvious right now that Oklahoma might need to make a change at defensive coordinators so he's gonna Uh, probably have to fire his brother I don't know I mean they lost their best disruptive players last year 
uh, and they're struggling early. They don't. I, I mean, I'm not willing to go there yet. They can. They'll still probably be pretty good. Um, you know, Number they, two zero. Now, so this is a team real fast. Let me check. Yes, the team that they okay. So number twenty is Oregon. This is a team that I got to see a whole lot of yesterday for a story. I was embedded. Uh, not at Oregon, mind you, but I was embedded for a story that's going to come out on SB Nation. I didn't get to see the full slate of games. I'm going to lean on Bill even more, even more so. My, my, my laziness will be robust on this podcast. Oregon, number 20. They lost to a really fun – oh, America's team, Colorado. Let's, let's get that out of the way. We can stop the timer if you want and just talk about how Colorado's America's team. What the hell is going on with Oregon other than the fact that Brady Hope obviously couldn't lay hands like a faith healer on Don Pelham's defense? That, that's that's it. I mean, their their offense. I I, I told Dan I, I went on Wake Up College Football. By the way, I went on Wake Up College Football this morning in, in place of Ryan Nanny, uh, who's out with parenthood at the moment. And congrats to the nannies. Um, so I, I basically said, you know, I think it's the offense. It's the same kind of deal as last year, where we hold the offense to such a high standard that we kind of create problems where they don't really exist. I think their offense is mostly fine. I, I mean, they they struggle on passing downs a lot, and they hit some slumps. I, I was looking at the box score this morning for Oregon, Colorado, trying to figure it out. Like for the whole game, Oregon was it looked like the superior team, but they were basically awesome in first and third quarters, really bad in the second and fourth. And Colorado kind of took advantage of the second and fourth more than Oregon took advantage of the first and third. Um, yeah. yeah Oregon Colorado. Scored 20, um, Oregon scored 21 points in the third and then could not answer the eight point winning score for Colorado in the fourth. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I think we kind of maybe just maybe there's not enough of consistency there, but I don't really have any complaints with the offense. The defense is still only 77th, though, in defense of S&P. So um, that's, you know, that's that's still the issue. And we saw, you know, and they again, they were unlucky to lose to Nebraska. That was again, they probably win more often than not. This one, though, they just they this wasn't the case. Colorado was the better team overall. Uh, Like I said, they took advantage of their spots better. And that's this is weird. This is weird. I still don't think they're that bad a team. I, 20th might be a little high to me, but I still f- think of them as a top 25 or 30 team. But, yeah. Number 19, Bill. Louisiana State University. Uh, I'm not even shocked. I've seen this last miles ending like six times now. Yeah, no, that was the, – the, the craziness felt comfortable at the end. Like, okay, here we go, crazy last miles ending, and that's exactly what we got. Uh, not all crazy last miles endings are successful. Um now, you know, right now they're 66th in offense and 7th in defense. That, again, sounds about right to me. They Their defense has been fine. Aranda, you know, they didn't give up a touchdown yesterday. Aranda's kind of done some good things there. But their offense, you know, Fournette gets hurt, and, and it hasn't been full strength for very much of the season. And Brandon Harris, apparently reading the press clippings in the offseason, just got in his head or something, and he was even wor- almost worse than he was last November. Um, and so they, they turn it over to Etlane and now they're just mediocre on offense and, and that'll, that'll get you, get you bitten. So I, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, they're in trouble. And I will mention, as I mentioned with Dan today as well, 2012, Missouri beats Derek Dooley, uh, finishes off the Dooley area era. 2014, Missouri whoops Will Muschamp while gaining, gaining a hundred yards in Gainesville basically ends the Will Muschamp era. Um, Missouri goes to Baton Rouge this weekend. That's all I'm going to say. Number, forgot to look it up, 18. 18. Boise State. Oh, hey, guess what? You were just talking about mid-majors that are actually pretty good that no one's talking about because everyone loves Houston, and justifiably so. Hey, there's Boise State beating Oregon State. There's some trash scoring at the end, but uh, Boise State's 3-0. They're 2-0 against the Pac-12, and now they're going to just kind of have to ride it out against a schedule that's not that good. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're two and zero in the Pac-12. They they were up thirty-one-seven at halftime. Oregon State's not very good, but still, they uh, they kind of fell asleep in the second half. But it was, I believe, probably in garbage time at that point. So they don't, the ratings don't uh, see most most of that. But no, they've they've now beaten Washington State and Oregon State. They whooped Louisiana Lafayette, and now they've got Utah State at home at New Mexico, Colorado State at home. They do have BYU, um, and Utah State's not terrible. Um, but yeah, now they're just going to kind of quietly hope to, I, I really, one of my goals for the season now is to see 12 and 0 Boise versus 12 and 0 San Diego state in the mountain West game. I think that would be awesome for both teams. Cause they're both really good. Number 17, not much to say here other than the fact that Houston's really good. They beat a really bad Texas state team in San Marcos. They're four and 0. everything looks calm minus maybe a, Oh gosh. I don't even know if you can call UConn a hiccup, maybe Navy, until Louisville. I mean, they're going to... Yeah, Navy, so Navy's a tricky thing. Navy's not bad. Yeah. So, um, not much to say other than the, the fact the, that Greg Ward looked healthier. Yeah. Um, it looked like they had obviously engineered some things to keep him from a lot more of the run side of the run-pass option. But, you know, he had a pedestrian day. In fact, he only had 26 pass attempts. It feels kind of low for them. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they were up so big. I, the, the major thing I have to say about Houston is they are 17th. They are, you know, this, I'll, I said last year, you know, you can kind of get by with smoke and mirrors and whatnot and win a bunch of games, but eventually either then the luck catches up to you or the next year or you actually improve. And so far, Houston has looked, dom- uh, it, you know, the Cincinnati game was a little tricky, but they've looked the part. They've looked the part of a really good team, and the only reason they're 17th as opposed to, like, threatening the top 10 is that the preseason projections still play a little bit of a role. That's why LSU's in the top 20 as well. Um, the projections still play a role, and that's why Houston's only 17th. They have looked the part so far this year. The offense has been uh, – we've gotten a clear reminder with, with Houston that when Greg Ward isn't 100%, their offense is pretty mediocre. That's, what's, that's what tripped them up last November, um, and it could trip them up again because you know shoulder injuries don't just go away. But, um, you know, he did look fine yesterday, and that's a good start because now they, yeah, they, they have the opportunity to roll now, and, and uh, if he's healthy, the offense is fine too. All right, we got a tempo now, so we're going to go a little bit faster. No, we're good. We're good. We still have we're 16 good. minutes here. We've only, right. oh, yeah, okay, we, never mind. We've fallen behind. Yep, so, uh, so number 16, Wisconsin. I want to say this real fast. We did a box score study on that Georgia State game on last week's podcast. They ain't played nobody. If there's any legitimate reason to listen to this show, we outlined, or Bill outlined, why – Maybe everyone should tap their brakes on freaking out about Wisconsin being overrated. And then they thumped Michigan State. They looked pretty good in the process. I appreciate you trying to build the ego back up. Uh, that's what I, I do, Bay. Yeah, um, yeah. they're sixth in uh, defense and 80th in offense. Again, that sounds about right. Their offense, you know, when Corey Clement's healthy and everything, the, the offense should be good enough. The quarterback situation might have solved itself this week. Um, you know, with with the change and and scoring thirty points and all that, but the defense is just awesome. That's what that's what's driven them this year. They um, that's what beat that's what allowed them to beat LSU. That's what allowed them to whoop Michigan State. Um, and yeah, if you do that, uh, <laughs> Nebraska's defense, Nebraska's offense is good, but we'll see if it's good enough to move the ball in Wisconsin. Number fifteen, Tennessee. We'll have to skip Tennessee until we get to Florida to discuss yeah. yesterday. But then number fourteen, Virginia Tech. Uh, this is what a coaching change was supposed to do for the Hokies. They put up a bunch of points against an ECU team that had beaten them twice in a row at 54 points. They, they beat the crap out of a team that they're supposed to be more talented and, and better coached then, and that's the kind of stuff that proves why you made a change. I don't yeah. really know if there's much else to say from that. Yeah, no, they, their defense has been mostly good so far this year um, when the offense wasn't kind of dooming it with turnovers like it was against Tennessee. 
No, they've absolutely looked like a top 20 team so far, and we'll just have to see We'll have to see if they can sustain it. We'll have to see what that can mean in a crowded ACC, which has, I believe, five teams in the top 14. Hey, how about the Florida State uh, Seminoles? They didn't roll yeah. over and die. They're at number 13. They went into a game that probably wasn't as much of a trap game as we wanted it to be. They beat uh, South Florida 55-35. to 35. The offense came back. They figured yeah, it out. Yeah, massive offensive upside. They, they, got, they, they got tripped up. You know, when they fell behind early against Louisville, they couldn't catch up. That was pretty much a perfect situation for Louisville to be in, being able to be aggressive and take chances with a lead like they had. Uh, and Florida State got, you know, just washed away like that. But otherwise... Um, they have been. They have shown massive offensive upside this year, and that was uh, certainly a reminder of that yesterday. Number twelve. It's the Baylor nightmare Bears. scenario. The big, it's the nightmare scenario. This is exactly what people in the Big Twelve do not want to have to do right now, which is rally around Baylor as their viable playoff candidate. They're only the viable playoff candidate right now because one, we don't know a ton of stuff, and two, they beat Oklahoma State. They're undefeated at four and zero. They've got Iowa State two bye weeks. Kansas, and then they don't go to Texas until October 29th, which means Baylor will be relevant in the playoff discussion all the way through Halloween. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, the one thing I, I don't even want to say this. The one thing I'll say about Baylor right now is that um, they're still good. They, and what, <laughs> the reason I say that is, you know, they lost a bunch of players to graduation. They lost a bunch of signees. They lost their head coach. Um, and they're still good. And if, they got into such problems this year because they got they fell into the trap of protecting their players over the program, P- protecting specific players, thinking they couldn't. It, it, you know, it becomes almost like a they a desire to. You know, we I can't lose any of these guys because we might suffer. Blah 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 blah. They're fine. They're not. This isn't the best Baylor team, but they're fine uh, because of depth and system or whatever. And that should allow you to have confidence to make decisions and not protect players who don't deserve to be protected. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, I've said too much. Okay. Um, a team that we think we know a little bit more about now at 11, we're going to go faster. Now, Washington, they beat Arizona in overtime in Tucson. Uh, they didn't look great doing it. It's, I don't know if they're deserving of their ranking. We don't know anything going into Stanford. It doesn't really matter. Um, I know they had a lot of trouble. They turned the ball over a couple times in Arizona territory. Um, I got to see bits and pieces of this game. You know, maybe they worked the kink out, kinks out. I mean, I know this is the Arizona team that, that trailed uh, Grambling, but it's also probably the best team Washington's seen so far. So, you know, yeah. they, they responded to a road test. If this was the SEC, we'd probably be talking about survive in advance and all that crap. <laughs> yeah, I think this was a little bit confusing because I, I felt like the offense was – fine but the defense which I love I love Washington's defense the defense struggled more than I thought Arizona seemed to to land some shots and maybe that was maybe that means good on Arizona Uh, maybe that means growth for Arizona but you know yeah that was a little bit I expected an easier win that's for sure so the fact that they fell from fourth to seventh part of that is is again preseason projections coming out and part of it's because they just yeah they didn't look great against an Arizona team that isn't great um, but they, yeah, they could be fine. I feel eleventh feels pretty good to me, and the fact that Stanford is ninth feels pretty good to me too. That that kind of sets up this week pretty pretty. Hey, well, guess I who's think. in between? Number ten, Texas A and M. They beat Arkansas. They beat Arkansas. They are now the viable candidate to face Alabama in the West. At least we really, really want someone to be in that role. And right now, that really, really wanting to be someone that's A and M. At least for the moment. Yeah, I, you know, I I think Ole Miss is probably better than A and M, but Ole Miss A missed their shot. Uh, against Alabama and B 
what we were saying about A&M in the preseason was that maybe this, this there isn't the same amount of upside here, especially on offense, but there's actual experience and senior leadership and maturity. And that's that we saw that play out yesterday. They took a bunch of tough shots from Arkansas. They gave up a 10 minute drive from Arkansas in the third quarter. And they still just when it was time to pounce, they pounced. So that's I, I was very impressed by that. And, and, you know, having all the upside in the world is great. Um, but they actually even if they have less upside this year, they have the experience to actually take advantage of it. And, and so power to them so far. Other half of that Pac-12 showdown coming this Friday night, Stanford. Um, Apparently there was a huge Vegas swing on this game because of the recovered yeah. fumble at the very end. It was end. awesome. It was um, well, it wasn't awesome because it flipped my S&P result. But, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was a good defensive ball game. Again, I got to see bits and pieces of this because I was out in California. Um, I like Stanford. I like the resiliency. I like the defense. Um, by the way, UCLA is a pretty good team. Yeah, UCLA, I have a lot of questions about UCLA's offense at this point. But, no, I, this was, you know, UCLA is a pretty good team. They won on the road. You know, they, we kind of got distracted by the fact that David Shaw seemed to make every wrong decision over the last four minutes, you know, punting on fourth and one uh, against a tiring defense when you've got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Uh, he kind of let time, he wasted a timeout. He let time go before calling another timeout. Um, and then they scored on a fade route, which just, you know, irked me to 38 different ways. But it worked, and that's because it game worked. calling. It looked good. I think they. I mean, if anything, I think they showed enough versatility to 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 at least silence some of the dumber critics that Stanford has about their offense. Yeah, they're and their defense is very good again. Like last year, they they struggled with depth on the defensive line. This year, their defense really, I think, is strong and. Uh, yeah, the game management is overrated when we're talking about coaching because, uh, you know, talent and development will win most games. And, and that's exactly what we saw yesterday. I saw terrible game management. It didn't matter. They still won a tough road game. Number eight, Ole Miss. Uh, basically, it was a team that was as talented as the teams that lost to Florida State and Alabama, except this time they ran the ball with a little bit more consistency. They didn't turn the ball over in crippling fashion. And also, hey, guess what? Georgia is the answer to what happens when you have really good running backs and a really, really good freshman quarterback, but no other talent. That's the answer. It's Georgia. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and of course, you know, they got softened up last week by Missouri. That's what I'll yeah, say of there. Of course, of course, um, buddy. Number yeah, seven. No, well, yeah, one, one more thing about Ole Miss. This is upside, 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 upside. And when it works, it works dramatically. And, and yeah, the fact that they were able to actually make it work for three quarters, basically, instead of two, uh, makes a difference. Anyway. Number seven, Bill. Okay, what do we know about the SEC East? Uh, I'm not. I, mean, I understand why the rankings are this way, but so Florida comes in at number seven, Tennessee's down at number fifteen. I know everyone will probably freak out about this this week, but yeah, I've already had to deal with that a little. Um, this was in the third and fourth quarter, the Tennessee team that everyone was waiting on. That doesn't mean that this is going to be the Tennessee team that you see every quarter from here right. on out, but there was at least proof of concept. Yeah, the reason they moved up and Tennessee went down is preseason projections, basically. Like, they, Tennessee was medi- has been mediocre for three and a half quarters, and Florida's been pretty good for three and a half quarters. And, and so uh, the, the, the fact that the second half went the way it went didn't quite offset that. But this was a really confusing game yesterday. I expected to see one of those games or the other, and we saw both. Um, and, the, you know, in the end, Tennessee, by the way, recovers two more fumbles. So they're at now 17 of 20 on the year in fumble recoveries. 
but they were the superior team. Florida was as close as they were because they capitalized on every opportunity, while Tennessee just created more than double the opportunities, dominated field position, and did the things that Tennessee's supposed to do. And, you know, we saw a sustained glimpse of it this time, so maybe that's a good sign moving forward, or maybe they freaking lose to Georgia next week. Very, very, I'm going to be very, very interested in it. And a lot of the teams up front, we can linger on this a little bit. How much time do we have left, Bill? Uh, six and a half. We had some bye for weeks. For six teams, that's good. Some bye weeks and some scrub teams, so I want to sit on Florida, Tennessee for just a second. If the Tennessee team that showed up in the second half plays the Alabama team that was in the first half in Oxford, um, there's potential sea change in terms of how we're looking at the Southeastern Conference. It's, it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's inevitable or any of that. Um, this was a Tennessee team that looked balanced on offense. This was a defense that took care of things. This was all those little things that you saw flashes of finally got put together, and this was seismic for this program that has just really died and died and died and died with every loss. I know they beat Georgia last year, it was, but it, that's just not, it's just not the same thing. It's not the same kind of equity. It's really, it's really Alabama 1, Florida 1A to break that 11-game streak. It, it, it's proof of concept for Butch Jones in recruiting. I think they're going to see a windfall out of it. I know it's just one game, but I can't really emphasize enough. When you have a rich SEC program that is starved for success at a certain level and they finally get it, it causes waves throughout that conference. So, but Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they see a windfall from this game, but if they now pounce because of this game, then well, uh, I think then, I think they're they're clearly the better team than Georgia, and I think this gives them enough. This gives them. I still got to see them beat Georgia on the road, though. That's fair. That's totally fair. I mean, this gives them to me. This gives them enough to to go out and win some battles in recruiting, if nothing else. And then they look like the team that's going to win the East again. Yeah, a lot, and, of, a lot of assumptions still there. Yeah, and the fact that uh, Josh Malone's and Jawan Jennings had caught seven of eleven balls for two hundred two yards um, was dramatic because that was the one area. I look at Tennessee's run stats; they're basically what I expected to see against Florida. I did not expect them to be able to pass, and they couldn't for a while, and then suddenly they could, uh, and it turned the game around. So, uh, I, yeah, again, power to them. Now we just need to see more of the second half because I expected what we saw in the second half is what I expected to see a lot this year, and and now we just need to see it more. Hey, there's Miami. Really quietly sitting up there. What's good? What, what, what you doing up there? At, uh, at Ain't played nobody. That's what's going on with Miami. Yeah, Ain't played nobody. No, they 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 Why sat. Why the numbers like Miami though? Real fast. Huh? Why do the numbers like Miami so much? They they obviously they they drug Appalachian State. They had a bye week. They're going to go to Georgia Tech, and then they get Florida State. So we'll know real fast. So real fast, they are basically Memphis, except more so. They've uh, done absolutely everything they could do against bad teams, and Appalachian State might not even be a bad team. Um, and they absolutely just raked them. And so now, uh, now we have to see that they can do it more. You know, plain and simple. Like I said on Wednesday, with their October slate, road heavy, good team heavy. Now we get to find out. I know exactly why they are up there so far because they can't have proven anymore through three games than they did. But now they just have to keep proving it. Number five, Clemson. I saw one drive of this game, and I feel like I saw the whole game, and that was Clemson yeah. going down before the half to score. Um, you know what? It, it's it's not a it's not a pretty win in any statistical sense. But when you go on the road as Clemson into Atlanta on a Thursday night, which has vexed that program, and basically kind of just quietly kind of lean on a team that's that's built to lean on you. Um, it's a it's an unmitigated success. So don't really know much more about them. Didn't break out offensively, but they're good. 
Right. Statistically, it was very pretty defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody does, nobody stops Georgia Tech. That, you know, we I, I saw on Twitter a lot on that on Thursday night about, you know, talent advantages and blah, blah, blah. Well, that doesn't usually work against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech usually moves the ball anyway. That's the whole purpose of the option to kind of to counter talent disadvantages to a certain degree. Uh, so usually what happened to them against Clemson does not happen. But Clemson uh, is awesome defensively. Number four and number three, I'm going to do together. It's Louisville at number four, Alabama at number three. Louisville beats up on Marshall. Alabama beats up on Kent State at home. Uh, it's crystalline to me. Everything I thought about Alabama is the same. Everything I thought about Louisville is the same. <laughs> I don't have any issue with them being three or four. We move on. Um, do you have anything else to add before we get into uh, I just enjoyed that. I was kept, I was recording the Louisville game. I had, I was following it on Twitter. Everybody's like, ah, Lamar Jackson's kind of struggling here. And then he ends up with seven touchdowns, and they win by a lot. That's probably a good sign for you. Number two, the Michigan Wolverines absolutely embarrassed Penn State. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, They they really – Penn State needs one of these, as we've been saying, and and Michigan from the opening kickoff said, no, you're not having this one. Don't even think about it. I I think that was the most impressive part here was just how merciless they were from the start. The first half, the first quarter success rate was Michigan 50, Penn State 21. Um, they, and then the third quarter was 55, 25. They just gave Penn state no hope and, and, you know, nine scoring opportunities to two field position advantage, 35 to 25. Like they just, they dominated basically every category and got some turnovers. Look on top of that. They were, they ran they were awesome. for like, was it over 300 yards? Jeez. Yeah. Like, uh, Smith and Isaac had like 180, Jeez, uh, a guy named Karan Higdon, who I haven't really been paying attention to, had nine carries for 81. Uh, they actually didn't pass the ball all that well. But, yeah, they can run this year. They don't have to lean on the pass like they and did last year. And that's year. exactly what they're going to do. I think we just saw the blueprint. This isn't a good Penn State team by any stretch. But, again, it's decent. It's brand. decent. You're not supposed to beat it by 39. Exactly. Well, so, yeah, you stole my point. <laughs> brand, brands matter, especially uh, in that corner of the country. And to absolutely punk uh, a brand team in the Big Ten by 39 points, that matters. They looked awesome doing it. Number one, they're on a bye week. Um, they're actually my number one team, too, for what it, for whatever the hell it's worth when I have to do stupid radio things or I vote in the SB Nation playoff four. I have Ohio State number one. I still like them at number one. They're on a bye week this week. Um, I don't really have anything to add other than the fact that um, I feel more confident about them versus some other teams that haven't seen a true test. I mean, I guess going to Oklahoma is certainly something, and beating yeah, Oklahoma oh yeah, that is was certainly something. Um, it just may be less of something as time wears on. Um, we're still not going to know a lot about them because they're about to hit a they're about to hit a run of Rutgers in Indiana. But then, yeah. hey, October fifteenth at Wisconsin. Yeah, no, that, one's, that one's that one's now. That one's a really big, really big game now. And and Wisconsin is experienced and physical and really good on defense. They're the exact you know I've been talking about Ohio State maybe having a glitch at some point, and and Wisconsin's kind of. Like Michigan State last year, Wisconsin is built to be the team that can cause that glitch. So that's going to be a really tough test for them. But no, in terms of upside and, and you know, oh, 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 in terms of upside and everything that they have shown so far, you cannot, they, they've been remarkably impressive. Really, if you're picking anybody number one or two, it pretty much has to be Ohio State or Alabama at this point. And Michigan and Louisville are the only other teams I think that have, have earned even a slight shot at that. My playoff four real fast. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Louisville. Number three, Houston. Number four, Texas A&M. Just, just to be right. like that, just I like have that. already forgotten who I picked for my uh, playoff picks, but I'm pretty sure it was pretty sure Michigan was four. I think it was uh, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Louisville, Michigan. I'm pretty sure. 
Okay, for the robot Bill Connolly, you can follow him at SBN underscore Bill C. You can follow me at 38 Godfrey. We'll be back on Wednesday with the full show. Bill, you want to do this again? Uh, sure. Okay. Your numbers aren't that bad. We'll see you Uh. Wednesday.